0: Just a note before we start. This episode contains descriptions of the deaths of newborn babies, which some listeners may find distressing.
1: A nurse accused of murdering seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others has
0: pleaded not guilty at Manchester Crown Court. After a mammoth nine-month trial, the jury has finally been sent out to deliberate in the case of Lucy Letby. The 33-year-old nurse has been accused of murdering seven babies and attempting to kill ten others while working at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Manchester. Letby, a nurse on the neonatal ward, who was in her mid-twenties at the time, has denied all charges. In this episode, I speak to BBC journalist Dan O'Donoghue, who has been attending the trial in Manchester Crown Court every day since it started. He explains the prosecution's case, the defence put forward by Letby's team, and what the jury must now decide. The prosecution called the former neonatal nurse a liar and a murderer. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, the Lucy Letby trial, the death of seven babies in a Manchester hospital. Dan, this trial started last October in Manchester Crown Court and it was expected to last six months, but it finally wrapped after nine months with the jury sent out to deliberate earlier this week. What charges has the jury to consider?
1: So Lucy Letby is standing trial accused of the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of 10 others at the Countess of Chester Hospital between June 2015 and June 2016. Um, Now on the indictment, there are 22 charges and they number more than the alleged victims in this case because Miss Letby is alleged to have attacked some of the babies on more than one occasion.
0: What Methods do the prosecution say were used by Letby to either murder or attack these very vulnerable babies who are often premature and some very ill?
1: So um, there's a combination of um, different ways that the uh, prosecution say the most common one um, that has been alleged is this thing called air embolism. Now, basically, that means um, an injection of air usually into a child's kind of IV line this is the the line that runs down from say like a drip bag or a feed bag and so the injection of an air bubble into that and that would then go into the bloodstream of one of these children and cause all sorts of problems Um, another way that this method could be done is is kind of um, a lot of these premature babies they have these things called nasogastric tubes and and that basically means a tube that runs down into a child's stomach just to help with feeding so again it'd be kind of putting air into one of those tubes all the methods that The the prosecution say we use was that in some instances, they say that she um, force fed some of these children milk. And in a couple of cases, they don't um, kind of explain the detail of what actually happened. But they say she kind of assaulted some of these children, sometimes with medical tools. I mean, there was a particularly harrowing day in court where we heard one of these children, they um, were found in post-mortem with a, a bruising and an injury to their liver. And the pathologist had said he'd only seen this level of bruising in a child that had been in a road traffic collision in the past. So that just gives an idea of the severity of some of these injuries. And, and finally, there was, th- there was two cases um, where children uh, were found to have had synthetic insulin. So that means insulin, not naturally made by the body, um, had been added into uh, their bloodstream.
0: Lucy Letby sat impassively in the dock as the prosecuting barrister, Nick Johnson, KC, told the court that there had been a poisoner working at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Now, these deaths, as you say, happened between 2015 and 2016. So when were suspicions first raised in the hospital that something sinister might be going on?
1: So suspicions were first raised uh, actually as early as uh, the end of June 2015 um, now after the death of three children and the near death of another and um, one of the consultants who's played a key role in this case Dr Stephen Breary he ordered a review of the unit to see if there were any kind of common factors that had contributed to these children's deaths and near deaths and One of the things that was identified at that stage was that Lucy Letby had been present at all these incidents. Um, But at that stage, uh, Dr Breary said himself that he had dismissed this and said, you know, not not nice Lucy was his words. Um, So at that stage, it was just something that was noted, but it wasn't really fully uh, investigated or looked at, really.
0: Now, at the time, Lucy Letby, she was a very young nurse. She was only in her mid-twenties. When was she first arrested in connection with the deaths? What happened then?
1: So her first arrest, we, we have to fast forward a couple of years ahead. Um Cheshire Police um first got involved in kind of uh, mid-2017 in this case. And after a very lengthy and painstaking review, um which interviewed hundreds thousands of people, thousands of documents, they eventually uh, got to a stage of arresting Miss Leppie in July 2018 at her home in Chester, um, they arrested her at 6am um, and uh, took her to a police station where she was questioned for a number of hours. She said in, when she was in the witness box that this whole experience has uh, since given her PTSD and, and she's um, been on medication ever since this first arrest.
0: And who is Lucy Letby? What, what else do we know about her?
1: Well, Lucy Letby, uh, as you say, she was uh, in a, she was only 25 in 2015. She's now 33. Um, she is an only child and she was um, born and raised in Hereford, Um, She said from a young age, she always wanted to work with children and she went on to study uh, A-levels, which would enable her to go on to do a nursing degree, which she took up at um, Chester University in 2008. She graduated, I believe in 2011, and the following year after doing one of her placements at the Countess of Chester, she qualified as a band five nurse in in, uh, 2012, where she kind of began working on that neonatal unit. Um, as a person, I mean, we've heard a lot from her kind of colleagues, doctors and nurses. Um, I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, that the descriptions that they've gave, she was a normal, sociable um uh, woman. She went on holidays. She had hobbies. She enjoyed uh, regularly going to salsa dancing classes, keep fit classes. She went to concerts, uh, holidays with friends. So on the face of it, a completely normal, average um, 20, 25-year-old woman.
0: Now, I suppose one of the reasons why the, the trial has lasted so long, nine months, is because they're going through each of the cases of each baby. And as we know, they're 17. So so that's why it's taking so long. But we obviously can't go through each of the cases. But can we maybe look at, at some? So what happened in the case of the triplet baby boys who Lucy was looking after after she returned from holiday in Ibiza?
1: So, yeah, as you say, these these were um, triplet brothers. Um, and this is, um, just to place it in time, this is late June 2016. Lucy Letby had um, been away on holiday to Ibiza with friends. Um, the night before, she was due to start back on shift at the Council of Chester. She um, found out about the fact that these triplets had been born. And um, she was uh, texting and she said in one message that she would be back on shift the next day with a bang. Um, That very next day, um, the first of the triplet brothers, um, as has always been described in a lot of these cases, these were clinically stable babies under close observation. In the case of uh, child O, they heard that he was stable up until the 23rd of June. He suffered a remarkable deterioration, that's the word of the medic on duty, and uh, collapsed. He suffered further fatal collapses that day um, and eventually uh, didn't respond to resuscitation and died. The case of child P, this, this, um, this boy's brother, um, the very next day, so less than 24 hours later, very similar situation where this child was again stable um, and he collapsed inexplicably and didn't respond to resuscitation and was pronounced dead. Um, now, medical experts in both of those cases said that their deaths were consistent with these children um, being given additional amounts of air. I think you know these two cases really. Are, they were described by one of the consultants who has—he was a senior consultant at the hospital, he's since retired—a um, man called John Gibbs. He said this was the tipping point for him and his consultant team. He said the child P was the seventh and final death in this case, but they'd witnessed numerous other collapses. They said you know at this point they were extremely concerned about the presence of Miss Leppi on that unit, and they uh, then took action with hospital executives to try and ensure that she was. Uh, removed from frontline nursing duties.
0: But before that, we heard that two babies, baby F and L in the neonatal unit, they were poisoned by insulin. Can you tell us what happened there?
1: So the child F, um, this uh, baby, the, the prosecution say that he received insulin through, it's a thing called a TPM bag, which essentially is just uh, a drip bag with um, w- which supplies nutrients and, and various foods and things to uh, premature babies they say that this bag was tampered with and insulin was added to this bag and very similar for child l both these bags were infected somehow with insulin and they were hung and they caused extremely high levels of insulin to be found uh, in these children's blood uh, on analysis um, and, and and these these really i mean the, the prosecution have said you know that in this case so much of it rests on circumstantial evidence but they have really said that you know, these two cases are that the, they offer a biological fingerprint for crime having been committed. And, I mean, Lucy leppi herself in the witness box when she was asked about these two cases, she acknowledged that, you know, th- these children had been given insulin by someone, but just not her. Um, because, as I say, the, the blood results for these two children, it, it, it kind of is um, not really disputed by the defence that they were given insulin.
0: And... Can we talk about baby G? Uh that was the smallest and most premature baby in this case. What happened to her?
1: As you say baby G she was uh, born in uh, May 2015 and and she um as you say was was you know one of the the smallest and most premature babies and she did have a number of um, suspected infections uh, in in the first few weeks of her life. Um and she was transferred out of the Cancer Chester to an, another hospital nearby. Uh, for more specialist treatment, but she was eventually transferred back, and um, she was okay until the seventh of September, twenty fifteen, when she uh, was found to have projectile vomited. Now, this was something that you know has been poured over in um, in 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 the evidence because you know it's been pointed out that this is a, a very small baby, and you know the experts have said really would be kind of incapable of, of projectile vomiting to the level that she did. Uh, they say that, you know, Miss Leppe overfed this child with milk. Um, she would go on to collapse, you know, several more times as we, as we went on through that month in September. Um, you know, Miss Leppe is said to have made, you know, numerous attempts to, uh, to, to attack her that month. The, the baby survived these attacks, but we've been told that um, she now has a quadrupedic terrible palsy and requires round the clock care.
0: So let's look at the prosecution's case. The prosecution maintained that each time a baby collapsed or became seriously ill, Lucy Letby was on a shift. What else are they saying connects all these cases together?
1: So w- one of the things that the um, prosecuting barrister did uh, right at the end of his closing speech was to outline 11 common factors. Um, and he gave this in a jury bundle to the jurors to consider. And these are these are things that he says uh, really link the cases. So they go from things like there was kind of a, an unusual rash seen on a lot of these children in the moments before their collapse or during their collapse. And this rash was kind of a purpley pink that kind of appeared and disappeared. And the experts in this case have said that this is a symptom of an injection of air. This is a body's reaction to having an air bubble going around. And uh, they said that You know, there was um, projectile vomiting in some of the cases. They said in a couple of the cases, there was bleeding seen in the throat of these children. Other things that link the the cases is that these children were collapsed suddenly. And then when they were moved off the unit, say to another hospital, to uh, one on the Wirral called Arrow Park or one in Liverpool called Alder Hay, they recovered quite quickly. And some of these children have collapsed just after their designated nurse has gone on a break. Or just after, say, parents or family have been visiting one of these children and have left. So, at moments where perhaps these children would be on their well, not on their own because they're on an neonatal unit, but not being watched so closely. That, that that's what the prosecution say that some of the common factors that that link and stitch all this all this case together.
0: So, in the cases where they do know that babies died because they were in some way interfered with, do they have any direct evidence to support? Their suggestion that it was let be
1: they don't and that is a, a big point of this case and something that her defense lawyer has made you know front and center of his closing speech and his opening speech to the jury that there is no smoking gun so to speak there's no direct evidence you know in, in many cases many murder trials there'll be such a, such a level of kind of forensic evidence maybe eyewitness testimony cctv there'll be something where you know, a jury can see that and see, you know, a clear link to a crime. In this case, as the prosecution have said themselves, it is a lot of circumstantial evidence. But they say that, you know, when you take all of the evidence together and look at the big picture, then there's just um, too many coincidences really to to dismiss. The handwriting of Lucy Letby on a post-it note found in her home shortly after her arrest, now presented as evidence, the prosecution say, she's guilty of murder.
0: Prosecution has also shown the court notes written by Letby and some diary entries which were found in her home. What did they say?
1: Yes, so these were on on that first um, arrest, that first uh, police search of her house in July 2018. They recovered um, all sorts of material from her home and some of these included. Um, you, your listeners may have seen some of these post-it notes that have been uh, now released. Images of which have been released by the police. Some of the words that were on there, words and phrases she'd written, things like "I don't deserve to live," "I I killed them on purpose because I'm not good enough to care for them," "I am a horrible evil person," "I am evil," "I did this," um, and then other, on other papers she's written, "Help me," "I can't do this anymore," um, and among those, among those uh, kind of words, uh, you know. She on what I, I vividly remember actually one piece of paper on which she had repeatedly wrote the names of her two cats, Tigger and Smudge, written their names repeatedly all over it. And amongst those, there was names of staff members of the hospital. There was names of some of the children in this case. Uh, it was quite a moment in court, to be honest, when these uh, these these images were shown to to the jury.
0: And the prosecution also went through her social media searches
1: they did just again this this forms what they say is part of the the wider package of circumstantial evidence so uh, that so they have shown that on numerous occasions um Lepp, and sometimes separated by months and years Leppy made searches for some of the parents of the children in this case now the prosecution say she was she was regularly checking in on these people um almost uh kind of just out of a need to, to check in. I think the prosecution described it as quite voyeuristic, to be honest, and said, you know, that she was wanting to see uh, the impact of her crimes on these families. Now, the defence completely disputed this and, and pointed out that, you know, in addition to these parents, she said for many, many, many people who are not connected with this case, um, just in her day-to-day life. She's, and she said when she was in the witness box that, social media searches was just something that she did it was it was a habit of hers she would meet someone uh, not even you know know them that well and she would just have a little look and a and, and nose on Facebook really to see uh, what they were like so this is something that has been given reasons either sides and um, it's it's a difficult one for the jury to to weigh up and decide on really
0: has the prosecution identified any motive
1: they have not directly given a motive they, they've made a couple of suggestions they have Uh, suggested that uh, Lucy Lettby enjoyed, uh, I think their phraseology was a playing God. Uh, They said she was someone who liked to be in control of the situation and she enjoyed the fact that she was causing these collapses and um, having that knowledge of what had actually gone wrong and what contributed to to this. I mean, there was some other suggestion as well that, I mean, you know, uh, one of the witnesses in this case is a doctor who cannot be named for legal reasons, but there was repeated suggestion that Miss was uh, had some kind of infatuation with this doctor and they would uh, regularly talk over, over over social media and there was a suggestion that perhaps she had caused some of these collapses in a bid to get his attention as sometimes when he was on the unit he was in different areas of the hospital and when one of these children were to collapse he would sometimes have to respond. So that was another suggestion made. Um, but no, that there's not been no outright um, reason given for, for why she's allegedly perpetrated some of these acts.
0: Coming up, the case put forward by Letby's defence. Dan, you've mentioned some aspects of the defence during the trial, but... What specifically did the defence say about the notes that were found in Lucy Letby's house, you know, which said, I did it and I'm a horrible, evil person?
1: The explanation that they've given for for these notes is that they have painted the picture of what Miss Letby was going through at this time. Just to give context, I mean, she said she's written, she doesn't remember exactly when she wrote these notes, but she said she wrote them at some point between kind of July 2016 and before her arrest in 2018. Now, immediately after the triple brothers that we spoke to er, about earlier, the, the week that followed, she was moved into a clerical role and away from her frontline nursing duties. And this is someone who, you know, really from, from everything we heard about her, she was someone who was passionate about nursing. And this brought a lot of anguish to her. But her job was a major part of her life. And she was moved to this uh, administrative role away from, as she said, all of her friends and, and she described them as her family, her, her nursing colleagues. And she was given essentially a desk job in another part of the hospital. Now, on top of that, she had uh, various questions being asked. She knew, she she at this stage, she knew of, you know, allegations that were starting to swirl about her in relation to some of these children. Um, You know, and she also said that she was instructed at this time not to talk to other people about what was actually going on because when she was moved into this clerical role it was uh, said in a staff-wide email that she was being moved to be trained in a in a different area and and that was just a bit of a cover because at this stage you know she was moved as i say because these consultants were concerned about her presence so that that was the background really and and the defense say that you know she, she just you know wrote these things down never to be read it was she said it was they said it was just more an outpouring from her really to try and get things off her off her chest and she she'd written things like she, you know she, I am evil I did this because they say well you know the allegations that were swirling you know she felt they were evil allegations that were being said about her and it, it it got her into such a state that, you know, she felt perhaps, you know, she was evil, maybe she was incompetent, maybe something had happened that sh- she had contributed to these children's deaths. And, you know, in the witness box, she said, you know, the the, the pressure of this situation, you know, it, it led her to consider suicide at one stage. So it's, a, you know, she, she basically said that she just wasn't in a very, very good place mentally w- when all these allegations were being um, levelled at her.
0: Now the defence have also sought to paint a larger picture about the NHS. They say that the ward was understaffed and it was unsafe. Um, what evidence did they have to support that?
1: So I think they have gone um, through uh, during you know we've heard each case in turn. You know every 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 uh, child has, has has gone been gone through in turn, and we've we've heard about the care in each case and. Head defence lawyer Ben Myers, KC, has had a chance to uh, pick out and pull at certain things. So, I think in the case of one of the children, it was it was pointed out that um, the mother in that case she was left for fifty hours after her waters had broken um, and she wasn't treated and. Uh, she contracted pneumonia, her child contracted pneumonia um I mean there was one instance where a mother had said she had seen um a scene of chaos in the emergency room when they were trying to respond to her child and she saw one of the doctors sat outside the uh the, the main uh, neonatal unit, apparently googling how to do basic procedures um there was also a defense witness that was called a plumber who had responded to various calls to the hospital and he testified that. Um, there was all sorts of issues with um, sewage in in the hospital that constantly sewage would pump into sinks in the neonatal unit. So there was a comment about, you know, the maintenance of the building. Um, Yes, staffing levels was an issue. Um, sometimes we heard how certain pieces of kit perhaps weren't on hand and available. I mean, there was different pieces of equipment weren't, weren't there on hand. So th- this is stuff that, yeah, has, has been teased out throughout the whole trial, really, that, that perhaps the hospital didn't have the adequate uh, staffing or, or, or facilities.
0: Letby has also accused senior doctors of mounting a conspiracy against her to mask failings in care, because we need their own personal failings in care. How was this explained in the court?
1: Well yes I mean this is something um that was picked on by the prosecution as well in cross examination um, the prosecution barrister Nick Johnson Casey, he referred to to these I mean it was four consultants really they were referred to as the gang of four um and we've already I've already mentioned some of the names in in in, in the course of our chat but I mean these people are Dr Stephen Breary. this was the the consultant who first identified Miss a presence in in June 2015 um, there was Dr Ravi jram is someone who's given evidence quite a lot during this trial and he is someone who also like Dr Breary, had concerns about Miss Leppy throughout this period dr John Gibbs is another person who had concerns throughout and there's a there's a fourth doctor who can't be named for legal reasons but it, it was said that, that that these four really um had I mean this is again this is the the argument of the defense that they had kind of got their ducks in a row and and, and kind of compared notes on on, particularly around this this theory of uh, embolism and rashes that were seen on some of these children the defence lawyer throughout has said that what they say they have seen in in the witness box doesn't necessarily tally with what was written in medical notes at the time that on some of these cases there was no note of these children having rashes on them at that time the defence lawyer has said that you know on reflection that, that they have kind of Perhaps saw these rashes when they didn't, and there's been some quite fiery moments to be honest with you in the in the courtroom between these consultants and Miss Leppe's defence lawyer, where you know they have clashed quite strongly over this because, as I say, the implication of what uh, Miss Leppe's defence barrister is saying that these these consultants are essentially making some of these things up, and um, they very very strongly have the um, rejected that.
0: Now the the defence team though, it's not disputing that some of the babies died through an intervention, but like ultimately. They're asking the jury to consider this, that how can they be certain that it was Lucy Letby who did this to the babies?
1: Yeah, 100%, you know, that they've said that, you know, that Lucy Letby is a, is a dedicated, hardworking nurse. And, you know, the the claims that have been made against her just doesn't stack up in evidence. I mean, I think one of the things that has been advanced strongly to to almost prove her guilt is those two insulin cases that we spoke about earlier, that, you know, it's beyond dispute, really. The defence don't dispute it, that there was insulin in these children's blood. But a uh, defence lawyer pointed out that these uh, bags that were hung, uh, that were meant to be infected, uh, they were changed at numerous times throughout the night shift when Miss Leppe wasn't on shift. And if the prosecution's theory is correct, then these, these changes and these new bags that were hung would have to also be infected as well. And now that would essentially mean, as, as a defence lawyer said, that... Lucy Leppe would have to have a Nostradamus-like ability to predict which new bags would be hung and be able to infect them before they they were they were hung. You know, he's just said that this is completely, you know, beyond belief. Really, that that, that she would have that ability to, to predict those things. And as I say, th- throughout so many different of, of all the cases, really, he he has kind of tried to sow doubt on all those allegations. And and, and uh, it would be really now a matter for the uh, to the jury to, to consider in that locked um, room in Manchester Crown Court.
0: Lucy Lettby was on the stand for three weeks, which is grueling. I mean, wh- what was her demeanour like?
1: Well, I mean, she is someone who, you know, we, we were told, I mean, the jury have been told that, you know, she is someone who suffers with PTSD and she's on medication for that. And, you know, she has a, a condition called hypervigilance as well. So she's quite sensitive to movement. Um, so I think she did struggle at first to um, focus in that witness box. You know, we, we I mean, obviously the, the, the way the court, uh, runs is that, you know, first, for a first kind of week or so, uh, was her being questioned by her own lawyer. And it was really for a chance for her to tell her side of the story, to tell the impact of these allegations on, on her life. Um, and then as you say, we, we went into then the cross examination, which, you know, any cross examination in any trial is, is brutal. I mean, just, just to give you an idea of the, of the gear change really. Um, I remember it was quite a moment in, in court when, you know, I had events barrister asked her last question and Miss Leppy was in tears, kind of having responded, just talking about the impact of of, of this on her life. And the first question from the uh, Crown Prosecutor who stood up uh, was to ask Miss um why she only cries for herself and not any of her alleged victims. Um, you know, so it's quite a gear change immediately. And, um, you know, Miss Leppy was then taken forensically back over every case again um, and repeatedly, you know, she was, she was told that, you know, she had murdered these infants, so she had to repeatedly deny that, that allegation. So it was an in- incredibly, you know, I think, uh, difficult uh, couple of weeks for her to, to sit there and field those questions.
0: Breaking news now, because the jury in the trial of former neonatal nurse Lucy Letby, well, it's uh, been sent out to consider its verdict. So earlier this week, the jury was sent out to deliberate and the judge was very clear. He asked them to deliver unanimous verdicts on each of the 22 counts on the indictment. How long do you think the deliberations will continue for?
1: Oh, well, um, it's, it's very difficult to say, isn't it? I think with, with any jury going out, um, it, it's 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 difficult. And I think, you know, especially a case as complex and as lengthy as this, um, you know, I thought it was quite telling the other day that um one of the questions that the jury came back with was to ask the judge if if they could have copies of his summing up in relation to each case. And uh, they were told no, as, you know, obviously it's very important for them to to go back over all the evidence and consider, consider everything. But, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, months and months of evidence here, you know, just to give you an idea, you know, with each case, I mean, there's kind of 600 slides in each case that the police have kind of minute by minute uh, broken down. With each single slide, there's various documentation that um, supports it. So, I mean, I, I honestly couldn't say. I mean, if there's, there's, there's some people thinking a week, two weeks, three weeks. It, it's it's um, really too difficult to uh, to say, really. But um, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see.
0: Dan, thanks very much. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks to our guest, Dan O'Donoghue. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.